0: Welcome back to the We Know Baseball podcast hosted by yours truly. My name is Ryan. We Know Baseball, part of the We Know Ball brand, company, media brand, whatever you want to call it. But this show specifically is We Know Baseball. We know baseball for a number of different reasons. We played it. We watch it every day. we're, We're all in. And as of today, and as of Today's episode 39 of the We Know Baseball podcast. July 17th, 2023. We have a lot to go over in the world of baseball. We got standings. We got player updates, if you will. And for the first time this season, we're going to be officially declaring teams dead. D e a d dead i know that's early i know it's gonna catch some people off guard to declare a team dead before the trade deadline but i definitely think there are some teams we can include on the dead list and uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on but for now we got to go over the standings we have to go over where everybody stands And we have to talk about why these standings are the way that they are. Right. So as we dive straight into it here, take a look over on the standings uh, in Major League Baseball. As we always like to do, we go from the American League to the National League, East to West, starting with the American League East. Okay, The Tampa Bay Rays, they're still on top. They're the first team to 60 wins. They're a great, great, great baseball team. They were the first team to 60 wins. Now, they've been since caught in the win column, and we'll get to uh, that team in a second here. But
1: the American League East. The word is
0: out. On the American League East. The Rays are in first at 60 and 37, 60 and 36, rather. The Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees are all trailing the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are 57 and 35 as of July 17th. The Orioles are three games back of the Rays in the win column. But they're only, they actually have one fewer loss than the Rays do. They've only lost 35. The Rays have lost 36. So it looks like the Rays have played literally four more games than the Orioles. I don't know how that's happening, but regardless, based on the games back trajectory and wins and losses, in the games back column, the Baltimore Orioles are one game behind the Rays.
1: One game.
0: The Blue Jays are six back at 53 and 41. The Red Sox are nine games back and tied with the New York Yankees. Also nine games back. Both of those teams are 50 and 44. In regards to the American League East. I think there are a few things. That you can take out of that
1: division. Okay. first of all,
0: if the American League East doesn't tell you anything, it needs to tell you one thing in particular. And it's a microcosm of what's going on across the entire league. And again, we'll get into it more as we go through these other divisions. But one thing is absolutely for certain. Especially in today's game of baseball. The teams at the top. And this is specific to the American League East, but also mostly to Major League Baseball. The teams at the top have depth. They lose guys in certain, I would say, key, if you will, spots. For example, the Rays have Peter Fairbanks, who is scheduled to be their closer the entire season. What's the guy got, like, nine saves? Been hurt most of the year. Shane McClanahan, he's hurt. Jeffrey Springs, a starter that they were going to be relying on. He's done. Drew Rasmussen, a starter that they were going to be relying on. He's done. And yet... The Rays lead the American League East and are the number one team in all of the American League. Why is that the case? Because they have depth. The Rays are a team that was constructed and designed to have sustained success because they don't rely on one guy, one player, one contributor, or even, let's say, two two or three guys to carry the workload for the team. They are well-rounded. They are deep. And they have multiple options and places to draw from to fill in across their roster. Oh, we lose a couple starting pitchers. Not a problem. Scoop into AAA, grab a couple of guys, and they'll come up. They're not going to be all-stars but they will be good enough to keep that team afloat. But, oh, the AAA starter, this guy's given up four runs, this guy's given up three runs, this guy. Well, then let's flip it to the other side of the ball. The Rays on offense, once again, are not a team that rely on one or two single contributors to carry the offensive workload for the team. They have a ton of one or two star type guys. But those one or two star type guys... I don't know, Randy Rosarena, um, uh, Brandon Lowe when he was doing well. um Wander Franco, right like those are like, oh, these guys are like really legit like all-star type guys. If those guys aren't going well, the rest of the lineup is just so steady and solid and contributing and well-rounded that they're gonna just continue to win ball games. Oh, Rosarain is not hitting. Okay, well, uh, Harold Ramirez just hit a home run. Oh, uh, their center fielder who hits eighth or ninth every night, Jose Siri. Yeah, that guy's got like 19 home runs. They're so well-rounded. They're so good. And the same can be said for Baltimore. Now, Baltimore is not quite in the same realm, I would say, as the Tampa Bay Rays. I wouldn't put them quite in the same category. But in terms of, once again, being well-rounded, having tons, and I I mean tons of depth that goes beyond the Major League roster and dips into the minor leagues, Baltimore, again, has called up so many different guys. And when you call up all those prospects like a team like the Baltimore Orioles has done, you're not going to hit on every single one of them. You're just not. They haven't. They've had some guys that have come up and been, you know, eh. They've been iffy. But when you're not heavy reliant on one or two or three contributors in your lineup and you can let each guy go out and be just who they are, let Gunnar Hunterson be An 875 OPS left side of the infielder. Let Adley Rutschman be an above-average offensive catcher, and he is. You don't call these guys up or sign a guy in free agency and be like, boom, you are our three-hitter. You are our cleanup hitter. Now, the Orioles have guys like that, but now you can see, you're, you're seeing contributions from Adam Frazier, a guy who is never known as hitting home runs, just set his career high in home runs in July because he doesn't feel the pressure, doesn't feel the workload. He's going out there. They're telling him, hey, Adam Frazier, we know you're not a big guy. We know you're not a big power guy. We're going to put you either probably two hole or six, seven, eight hole. And we just need you to get your hits. We need you to get on base and uh, just not be below average. That's it. And what do they get out of him? Instead of not below average, they get high contributions from him. He's having a career year. Same thing could be said for their starting pitching, right? They call a couple guys up, and they've gotten a lot of production out of them. They call pull, put a couple guys in the bullpen. They've been absolutely lights out. Felix Bautista, Yunier Cano, these guys are nasty. So if I'm the Orioles, I'm not putting them quite in the same tier as Tampa Bay, as far as just like excellency. But the Baltimore Orioles could very, very easily end up winning the American League East. I mean, very easily. On the flip side, at the bottom of the American League East, and we won't spend too much time more talking on it, uh, talking about it. But they, this, I think, the American League East deserves the most time and the most attention because it is the best division. And and what I mean by best is. All team every single team in the American League East is at least six games over 500. you won't find that anywhere else in baseball you just won't so the, the American League East if we're going to spend as much time talking about any division it's going to be this division Toronto's in the middle of the pack in that division they're 53 and 41. they've been playing really good baseball they're 8 and two in their last 10 plus 44 run difference I mean they're 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 a solid team and uh then you got the Red Sox at 15 44 you got the Yankees at 15 44. Why are the Yankees in last place? Well, losing a guy like Aaron Judge always hurts. Always, always hurts. No matter what. No matter who you are, what team, whatever roster construction you have, you lose a guy like Aaron Judge, it's going to hurt your team. That's number one. Number two, the Yankees have no depth. And I think Yankees fans, as is the case with a lot of the league, may have gotten... Suckered into what happens a lot of times with Yankees prospects, specifically, right? The Yankees as an organization are just so big and there's so much hype around that team that when the prospects they have get well respected and and talked about by that organization, all the fans and a lot of baseball is like, oh my gosh, these guys are going to be amazing. Anthony Volpe had a good three weeks in spring training. This guy's going to be the next Derek Jeter. Well, not quite. He's not the worst, but overhyped coming into the year. As Waldo Cabrera, high, high prospect for them. Gets called up. Isn't really that good. Turns out he's like a platoon bench outfield bat utility guy. Not a huge contributor offensively to them. Oswald Peraza, same story. Then you get a slumping Anthony Rizzo. You don't have offensive all-star production from Jose Trevino, who was an all-star last year. You get Carlos Rodon not making a season debut until July. Spotty starting pitching and heavy workload on the bullpen. All of that culminates together to a team like the Yankees with a huge payroll, a lot of star players, a, a good roster on paper. Now you're looking at nine games back. You're looking at last place in your own division. Now, do I think the season's over for the Yankees and they're doomed and they need to fire everybody and blow it up? Of course not. They're six games over 500. They're still right in the mix. But, but, if things don't start to shape up a little bit and they don't get Aaron Judge back by, let's say, the end of July or sometime in the first couple weeks of August, the Yankees might be in deep, deep trouble. Deep trouble. They're just, there's no depth there. And when the Yankees have guys that go down like Judge or low production from guys like Rizzo, there's nobody else behind them to pick up the workload. There's just not, unfortunately. And, you know, that is what it is. But I'm hoping for the best for the Yankees. If I'm being honest with you, I think it's good for baseball when the Yankees are good. I do. So I think the Yankees need to look into their deep they need to dig a little bit deeper they need to work a little bit harder uh you know the firing of the hitting coach and adding sean casey as the hitting coach that's to me that's just a that's a nullified moot it it doesn't do anything for me i mean it's not they looked for escape they weren't producing offensively they looked for a scapegoat they fired their hitting coach that's it so let's see if the yankees can fix it shape up a little bit i don't know if they can i don't know if they can uh but i hope they get Better. I hope they find themselves conti- uh, contending for a playoff spot when it's all said and done. Moving on to the American League Central. Uh, I mean, what else is there to say? This division is just garbage. It's just garbage. I-, I don't know what else to say. The Twins lead that division at 48 and 46, right? We just talked about the Yankees and the American League East. That the Yankees were in the American League Central. They have a two-game lead in the top of the division. It's absolutely absurd how bad the American League Central is. Twins are 48 and 46. They lead the division. Good for them. I think the Twins will win that division. The rest of the teams in this division are just so bleh. Cleveland Guardians, 45 and 48. They are three games under 500, and they are two games, two and a half games back. The Tigers are 10 games under. The White Sox are 15 games under. And the Kansas City Royals are 27 and 67.
1: I mean, come on.
0: Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Twins are going to win a division. We're not going to spend really almost any time talking about it because honestly, that division doesn't deserve any attention. They just don't. Moving on to the AL West. Interesting developments here. The Rangers lead that division at 55 and 39. But here come the Astros. 52 and 47. Jeez Louise, I am just botching these numbers. Rangers. 55 wins, 39 losses. That is correct. Leads the division. Houston Astros, 52 wins, 42 losses. What does that mean? They're three games back, the uh, other Rangers. And they're they're playing some good ball. The Astros are starting to look like the Astros that everybody is kind of scared of. And the Astros are 10 games over 500, and Jordan Alvarez hasn't played for them in a month a top three hitter in the league hasn't been in their lineup and the Astros are still
1: winning. The Astros
0: have kind of been overlooked this year. But when it's all said and done and we're getting geared up for game one of the World Series in October, don't be shocked if it's the Astros representing the American League again talk about depth we talk about minor league prospect contributions players getting called up combinations of young and old guys and good roster construction and guys leading from the front both on the field and in the dugout Alex Bregman has been there Jose Altuve has been there Kyle Tucker at this point might be seasoned veteran territory for kyle tucker right i mean the guy's been in how many playoff series at this point how many years has he been in the league how many times has he been an all-star i mean the guy's legit and it's all led by dusty baker who just came off a world series these guys know how to win the organization and the players and the coaching staff so anybody they call up that's young they're like i don't know what are we going to get from him I would always lean on those guys getting called up. I would, I would assume they would experience more success than failures early on. And if they do, they call up a pitcher, they call up a bench, a bench bat, or they call up anybody, and they have a little bit of struggles early on, I would ex- fully expect whoever that player was to snap out of that quicker than most guys would. Seattle Mariners are 46 and 46. They're eight games back. We'll talk about them here shortly. The Angels are 46 and 48. We will talk about them shortly. The Oakland A's are 25 and 70. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Moving out of the National League East. Atlanta Braves 61 and 31. They are 30 games over 500. The Braves are crazy. Crazy. They don't lose. The Braves are crazy. Uh, from top to bottom, one through nine, rotation, bullpen—they're crazy. I mean, they just—it's crazy. The Marlins, fifty-three and forty-two, nine and a half back of the wild card of the division. I like the Marlins. I don't think the Marlins get in the playoffs. Nothing against the Marlins they've been assembled pretty well uh they got a good young core they're playing good ball they pitch it but they don't don't really hit it uh 53 and 42 is a good record uh but you go across the columns and you see minus 10 on the run differential to me that's a lot of luck their expected win loss based on how many runs they've scored versus how many runs they've allowed their expected win loss is forty six and forty nine uh so they're outplaying their run differential basically and their run score runs allowed they're outplaying it by seven games that's crazy I mean that's crazy um it's also not sustainable, and it's not going to continue, in my opinion. No disrespect to the Marlins. I like what they're doing. I like the direction that they're headed. But ultimately, they're not going to be in the postseason. Uh, but they're they're trending in the right direction as an organization. Now, if they miss it out this year, no reason why they couldn't find themselves right back in the race in 2024. But this year, they're not going to be in it. The Phillies are 51 and 42 in third place. The Mets. Oh my God, the Mets. 43 and 50. I mean yeah, we'll talk about the Mets. Nationals last place. nL central uh the, the division that does not ex that doesn't exist. It's not a real it's fake. it's a fake division.
1: It doesn't exist
0: brew crew 52 and 42. pretty good record. 10 games over. They just swept the uh, Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati in a battle of leading the division. Uh the Reds 15-44. Cubs 43 and 49. Pirates 41 and 52. The Cardinals 40 and 53. Boy, oh boy, the Cardinals. We'll get into it. Last but not least, National League West. Dodgers have taken the lead in the NL West. 53 and 39. There's the Dodgers. There's the Dodgers. I said before the season, my preseason MLB division predictions, I picked the Dodgers to win that division. I also picked the Padres to finish second. And there was a lot of hype around the Padres. But the sentiment coming into the year, and maybe it was just the media, people just like creating conversation and talking points and trying to be controversial. But it's like the Dodgers lose Bellinger, Justin Turner, Trey Turner. Who knows about Kershaw and no Walker Bueller. Guess what, guys? We're almost through July and the Dodgers are in first place. A lot of people. Wow, man. How are they? I'm not shocked at all. Dodgers are ran as an organization. Maybe better than any other organization in the entire sport. I mean, analytically, uh, player development, their farm system, they're the number one farm system. And oh, that's weird. They're also top seven in payroll. If you told me the Dodgers were in first place on July 17th, I wouldn't be shocked at all. The Dodgers know how to win, they are a winning organization. They know how to get the absolute best out of their players. And once again, you want to talk about. A recipe for success and sustained success. Depth, depth, depth. Oh, the number one farm system? Who does that belong to? The Dodgers. Who's first place in the NL West? The Dodgers.
1: I mean, it's...
0: It is a little bit perplexing, right? Just like how do they continue to do it over and over? Because... It's it's hard to just be good for such a long time, but the Dodgers know how to do it. It's not surprising. Anybody who's even a little bit shocked or just like caught off guard that the Dodgers have now found themselves in first place. Shame on you because the Dodgers know how to win. They were going to be there. The Dodgers were always a lock to win the NOS and I fully expect them after taking over the division lead to just run away with it and finish the year close to 100 wins First place in the NL West. Easy money for them. Easy money. Now, the other parts of that division that are surprising, the Giants are 52-41. and That's a little bit surprising. I'll be honest. It's a little bit surprising. Uh, They're a game and a half behind the Dodgers. The Giants... The Giants are a good team. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they can sustain it. Uh, they may be buyers at the trade deadline, which will be interesting to see. Who do they get? Right. Strowman, uh, Giolito. Go for those guys. I think if they get another really solid contributing starting pitcher, they could very easily get into the postseason and make a little bit of noise. The D backs, man, the D Backs. Woof, woof, woof. They were just leading the West. And then you go two and eight in your last ten. It's swept coming out of the all-star break from the Blue Jays. And now you find yourself still 10 games over, still right in the playoff picture. But now you're in third place in the NL West. And uh, the outlook for the team has definitely changed in the last couple of weeks. Before, it was like the D-backs, they don't lose. They're so good, young, electric, all this stuff. And now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, they are pretty young. Still need some starting pitching. Still need a little bit of bullpen help. How sustainable is it to have six or seven guys in your lineup having career years, right? And it's not. But the D-backs are still legit. And as we've said with a couple other teams as an organization, the D-backs are in a great spot. Young, controllable talent. I mean, they got Corbin Carroll locked up for like eight years and they're paying them like thirty bucks a year, so they're in good. They're in a good spot, and they can easily go out at the deadline and get a guy and be a lot better. Who knows? Who knows what the D backs? Most people would say they're, they're as an organization they're trending in a great direction. So if they miss out on the playoffs this year, or you know they peter out towards the end of the year, finish around or just above five hundred, to me as a D backs fan, like that'd be disappointing, knowing where we were at one point. But ultimately. That's not, that's not a failure of a year. It's not a lost season, right? So we'll see what happens. Padres are 44 and 50. They are in fourth place in the National League West. We'll get into it. Rockies in last 36 and 58. Okay, so there's your divisions there. Uh, if we looked at the playoff picture right now, the one seed in the American League would be the, the Rays. The two seed would be the Rangers, and the three seed would be the Twins. The four seed would be the Baltimore Orioles. The five seed would be Toronto Blue Jays. And the six seed would be the Houston Astros. Red Sox, Yankees. Both of those teams are two games out of a playoff spot. We talked about the Yankees. Just Yankee fans, just hope for better performance. Guys need a little bit more consistent production from guys that aren't giving it to you. You'll be fine. You get judged back, just relax. Okay. In the National League, the number one seed would be the the uh, Atlanta Braves. Two seed is the Dodgers. Three seed would be the Milwaukee Brewers, and then the three wild card teams would be Giants, Marlins, and Diamondbacks. Those are three uh, wild card teams. Nobody, I mean, nobody would have predicted. Nobody.
1: Um. I also want to say this about the uh, American or about the national league specifically. Okay.
0: If the Braves are not the team representing the national league in the world series, I would be utterly shocked, baffled because the Braves sit as the number one seed in the national league right now. I just don't see any other team in the National League, even in the same galaxy as the Atlanta Braves are. All the Braves do one through nine is bash the baseball. They bash one through nine. Acuna MVP. Ozzie Albies, all-star. Matt Olson probably second place in MVP. Austin Riley, all-star. Orlando Arcia, all-star. Sean Murphy, all-star. Eddie Rosario, a great player offensively. Michael Harris, oh, I'm sorry. Wasn't he like the rookie of the year last year? And they are 30 games over 500. Max Fried just, like, has barely pitched for them this year. They're ace. And then they call up these dudes from AAA, these pitchers, and they come up and they just shove. There's all-stars. Bryce Elder. Oh, he's a rookie? Yeah, he's also an all-star. If the Braves aren't the National League representative in the World Series, I would be baffled. I'd be shocked. Now, I know anything can happen in the postseason. And yeah, you know, realistically, they play against the Dodgers. That'd be a great series. It'll probably be a tough matchup. But if you give me Dodgers and Braves, NLCS, I'm going to go Braves in five. And then you get to the World Series with that Braves team and that lineup, and you get some starting pitching back healthy. I don't care who's on the other side. Yeah, okay, Tampa Bay, sure. Oh, Braves and Tampa Bay? Yeah, I'm going to go Braves in five. Again. Braves are unbelievable. Come back to me in three months, four months. Oh, hey, Braves won the World Series. How do you feel about that? Mm, Sounds about right. These guys are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. They never stop hitting the ball. I mean, depending on the opponent, the Braves literally, like there's games where they're like, oh, check the score. Braves are down five to nothing in the fourth inning. To whoever, right? For whatever reason, they went bullpen game or their five starter was out there, right? Braves are down five, nothing in the fourth. And I'm not referencing one game specifically. I'm just saying as an example. Graves are down five, nothing in the fourth. And then I like walk away and I come back. And, like or Or I like check in on another game. On a Tuesday night, and I come back. Oh, uh, that's funny. It's now the fifth inning. The Braves are winning seven to five. Like it's literally, and it's like not shocking. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. There's the Braves. What happened? What do you see? Oh, Acuna homer. Uh, Albie single. Olson double. Austin Riley double. Sean Murphy homer, and game's tied. Like literally, it's that quick. I mean, it's that quick. The guys are crazy, 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 crazy. The Braves are insanity
1: crazy all right now that we've
0: gone on and freaked out about that a little bit right two more things to talk about two more things
1: to talk about What do we do? What do we do with this guy? What guy? This guy.
0: Shohei Otani. Where is he gonna go? What's gonna happen? Oh, is he he's getting traded? He's not getting traded. I got an easy one for you guys. This one's easy. I am a fortune teller. I will tell you exactly what's gonna happen with Shohei Otani the angels until the all star break or let me say it like this the angels until the uh the angels until the trade deadline probably win a couple more games hover stick around 500 3 games under 4 games under still not quite enough for them to trade shohei Otani. not to mention the asking price is going to be astronomical they're going to be asking teams for Two or three major league talents, to two or three guys that are at the MLB level right now, plus four, five, or six of their top ten prospects. No one's going to pay that. There's only a small number of teams that could have like actually make that happen to begin with. Shohei Otani has expressed explicitly he wants to stay on the West Coast. His teams are like the Yankees. Uh, the Phillies and the the Tampa. It he's not getting traded. I am a fortune teller. I'll tell you right now, Shohei Otani will not get traded this year. He won't. Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels organization, does not want to be the owner that traded away the best baseball player, arguably, of all time. Right. Plus, the Angels will sit around five hundred, maybe two or three games under. Oh, they're like, we could still we could still do this thing. Now, they're going to miss the playoffs. And Otani won't be in the playoffs. And that'll be enough. He won't even consider a contract extension from the Angels. And the Dodgers will sh- sign Shohei Otani. Because the Dodgers are going to lose to the Braves in the NLCS. And the Dodgers are—fans are, are, are going to freak out and everyone—whatever— well, we need to make the big splash to overtake a team like the Braves who were just unstoppable this year. They go out and they get Shohei Otani, and they keep all of their amazing prospects that make their farm system as good as it is. Because if there is a trade with Otani and the Angels, the only team, realistically, that I could see pulling it off that Otani would be all in for is the Dodgers. The Dodgers could send, of their uh, the top 100 prospects, they have nine of them. So they could send six of those guys to the Angels and two big league you know, service guys and get Otani. They could very easily do it. But why would they do that if they already have a great team and Otani will become available at no prospect cost in three months from now? So Angels don't trade Otani. He will be on the Angels at the end of the season. And then the Dodgers will sign him. Probably a five, six, seven-year deal Probably an average $48, 50000000 a year. It's going to be crazy. Everyone's going to freak out. Shohei gets to stay on the West Coast that he so very much loves. Quicker flight to Japan when he does end up going home. Dodgers getting Otani in the offseason as a free agent. But he ain't getting traded. I'll tell you that right now. He is not getting traded. So
1: that leads us to our final segment here today. Our final segment.
0: We are taking the time right now to declare a few teams dead.
1: Now, before I go any further, I want you guys to understand something. Declaring teams dead
0: means they're not gonna make the playoffs, right and in some cases, it's surprising some cases it's not. The teams we're gonna spend time talking about are teams that had playoff aspirations and are no longer gonna get there, right so there's there's uh. Let's see. In the National League, I've got one, two, three, four, five teams that are dead. In the American League, I've got one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six teams that are dead. It's 11 teams that are dead. Going through the National League quickly, and the teams we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about because they weren't expected to be good. The Rockies. The Rockies are dead. Season's over. RIP to the Rockies. Washington Nationals, RIP, but it was never going to be that good of a year. Pittsburgh Pirates started off hot. Things are looking good. Organizations trending in a great direction, but rest in peace to the Pirates in 2023. In the American League, Oakland A's, nothing to say. RIP. Kansas City Royals, same thing. Chicago White Sox. R.I.P. Tough look. Organization not looking great for the future. Detroit Tigers. R.I.P. Right? So there's what is that? Seven, eight teams that it's like, you know, you it is what it is. You weren't gonna get in. You know, maybe you had some pop, pop weeks this year. Maybe things are looking good, but ultimately it's fine, right? If I'm a Rockies fan, Nationals fan. Pirates fan like I'm like all right you know we're not in we were never gonna be in it's fine but I'm declaring I'm dead so all those teams are dead now next on my list are some teams that are serious heartbreaks okay first team I'm declaring R.I.P. dead in 2023 with serious playoff aspirations St. Louis Cardinals Cardinals are dead. There's nothing there for the Cardinals. They're 40 and 53. And they are that team this year of like all those disappointing teams that we'll get to. They're that team that's truly and has consistently like found different, unique ways to lose games. Like they are just finding deep dark crevices of how can we lose right not to mention like the luck right you know luck is such a hard uh it's a hard thing to quantify uh but you can definitely see it like you can see you know jam shot hits dropping in you can see uh pass balls you can see other teams like making diving plays against you and like everything for the Cardinals that could have gone wrong for them so far, like in games has gone wrong. They've gotten production from Goldie, from Arenado, from their younger guys. Wilson Contreras didn't really start off great. Then you've had some drama with Tyler O'Neill, and he got benched. And then Wilson Contreras gets booted from the catcher position. But then like now he's back. Just a lot of like bad juju with the Cardinals this year. And then you compound that with like underperformance and bad timing and some luck going against you. And here we are before the end of July and I'm declaring the Cardinals dead. The Cardinals are dead. So rest in peace to the Cardinals in 2023. Doesn't mean they can't come back next year and be good, but the Cardinals are dead, dead, like way gone. There's nothing left for them. Oh, like the NL central's bad. I have no doubt. I have no doubt in my mind.
1: If the Cardinals played...
0: Like if they went into... In NL, NL Central, they went into Cincinnati or hosted the Reds or the, uh, or the Brewers, the two teams at the top of the NL Central. If they like went to Cincinnati and had a three-game set, there's no doubt in my mind that like game one would be tight, the Cardinals would have a lead, bullpen would come in, give up two runs, one run in the eighth, one run in the ninth, they'd go to extras, and then, like, in the top of the 10th, the Cardinals would have a runner on second to start the inning, they would pop up a bunt, they would hit a single, first and third, and then they would ground into a double play to end the inning, and in the bottom of the 10th, the first batter for the Reds would hit a line drive up the middle and they'd win the game. And then the second game against the Reds, the Cardinals and Reds, the the Reds would beat them 15 to two. Then the third game, it would be like four to one Cardinals come out flat. Like that's just how it goes. That's just like how it's been all year. So Cardinals fans, I'm sorry, but you're dead. We'll see you next year. But for this year, adios. Up next, number two on my list.
1: Teams declared dead in 2023. The New York Mets, the New York Mets in 2023 are dead and gone. It's over. I'm sorry, Mets fans. But it's over.
0: Minus 12 run differential, 43 and 50 through 80. Uh, sorry, through 93 games, 43 and 50. Poor offensive production, career lows, and for a number of different guys, Verlander starts the year hurt. Scherzer doesn't look good. You're spending $80 million on two pitchers. Both are 40 years old. Lindor has been meh. Pete Alonso, career lows in a lot of offensive categories. Jeff McNeil forgot how to play baseball. Mark Canna, bleh. Prospects called up, but not getting enough playing time consistently. Brett Beatty, not great. The bright spots for the Mets have been Francisco Alvarez and Tommy Pham. That's been the the big... Bright spots for the Mets, the number one payroll in baseball. I mean, they are paying a ton of dudes a ton of money. But the same story goes for the Mets as it does for these other teams that appear to be struggling with big payrolls. They spent a lot of money on a handful of guys. And the main indicator for success in today's game of baseball that the Mets do not have is... Legitimate depth. Like legitimate depth. I mean, they're rolling out lineups right now in July that feature DJ Stewart
1: and Mark Canna and Luis Guillorme all in the same.
0: I mean, I mean, You're eight and a half back of a playoff spot and you got to line up with those three guys in there at the same time. Mets fans, you're, you're dead. Like don't even waste your time. Like getting upset about anything the rest of the year. Yeah. It's super disappointing that you had the number one payroll and the highest payroll of all time. And you're going to miss the playoffs, but you got to find a way to salvage this current winning window. You might need to trade away Max Scherzer and get a decent prospect call in return. You might need to shop Tommy Pham around, see who wants him, and uh, go from there. But the Mets, you're dead. Season's over. I'm sorry. It's done. I mean, just, this is the same thing I'll say about this next team that we're going to talk about here, but just, like, watch the Mets play. Just watch the Mets games. I know it sounds a lot like some of these other Mets fans that go ballistic and lose their mind. And it's hard to quantify, definitely in a lot of ways. But there's like no energy. There's no fight. There's these guys don't battle when they get in the box. Just like so blah, so brutal to watch. These guys just go up and just punch out on four pitches. They just like first inning comes around, they're just like one, two, three. Mets didn't score. Okay. Like, there's just like nothing there. There's like no like electricity. There's no like, there's no sparks in that lineup. It's just, these guys are just like almost going through the motions one through nine. And there's not many guys in that clubhouse, in there, in that lineup that are going to be the, uh, going to be the, throwing chairs across the locker room guys and honestly a lot of times that doesn't work and in in a team and organization like the Mets like you shouldn't have to get to that point when you have the number one payroll by far in baseball you shouldn't have to get to a point where you're having team meetings or you're throwing shit around the dugout or in the clubhouse or you're fighting you're doing whatever shouldn't happen it shouldn't it shouldn't happen and for the Mets they don't have that. There's nothing there with that team. At least this season. So try to ship off a guy like Scherzer, try to ship off Tommy Pham. Whoever else you want to shop around, get a couple prospects, cut out of this cut these payroll salary guys, you know, off, stop spending so much. Just just relax, but it's over. It's over for 2023. I'm sorry Mets fans. Number three team I am declaring dead in 2023 with playoff aspirations, the Padres. It, it it hurts me. It kills me to do that. That's my team. I watch them religiously. I follow them religiously. And because of that religious dedication, uh, I'm able to notice some of the intangibles, some of the things that would indicate whether a team is, you know, at least from an outside perspective, good or has... Has it in them to get into the postseason. The Padres this year, they're not getting in the playoffs. And let's say, just for argument's sake, they somehow find a way in at 84 wins, 85 wins, NL takes a dump and they get in or something. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. It's the same recipe that the Mets followed pay a bunch of guys or pay a handful of guys a bunch of money, payroll gets inflated like crazy. Raid right away some prospects. Not really good in player development. Ends up not creating a ton of depth from the minor leagues and on the roster as a whole, off the bench. Overpay for some older guys. And then you don't get star players contributing at a high level. For the Mets, it was Lindor. For the Padres, Machado and Bogarts, both guys have been meh this year. Kind of playing through injuries. Middle-to-pack guys, as far as payroll and and level of play have had career lows and then the bottom part of the, the roster has just been awful now you find yourself eight games out of a playoff spot six games under 500 the Padres don't have any fight there's no battle there's no grit there's no determination there's no like oh we could come back and win this game it feels like with the Padres, if the other team scores first the game's over the game is over it's over in their last 33 games decided by two or fewer runs, in their last 33 games, the Padres are six. No, no, let me, let me even, I think it's one game more. In their last 30, that's right, because of yesterday. In their last 34 games decided by two runs or fewer. So two run games, tight, close games. The last 34 that they've had of those, those outcomes, they're six and 28. Six and twenty eight in their last thirty four games, decided by two runs or fewer. How about o and nine in extra inning games When the Padres are trailing after the seventh inning this season, they are two and thirty seven
1: That tells me
0: exactly what I just said. There's not really a ton of fight there. There's not really any selfless at-bats going on, right? Not to mention, they're dead last in the league in batting average with runners in scoring position. They're going up to the plate, whether it's nobody on, whether it's a guy on second, whether it's a tie game... They're down situational at bat is is recommended or required. What I mean by situational is like a sack fly or a ground ball to the right side of the infield to move a guy over. Any of those situations, regardless of what it is, uh, these guys are going through it and treating every at bat like they're representing their team in the all star game where it's just like I'm going to go up there and just try to smash this ball over the fence. If I don't, I don't. You know, all-star game doesn't mean anything. Who cares if I get a hit here or not? But I need to put up cool individual numbers and have an individual approach because it's the all-star game. But that's like how the Padres hitters are treating every at-bat during the season in regular season games. They have no fight to come back in late inning games. They have zero production when guys get into scoring position. And uh, in close games overall, they're getting killed. That's a team that has no fight No grit, right? No, like, sticking your nose in there. Like, I will not strike out in this at bat. I don't care if the guy throws 140 miles an hour. I'm going to fight five pitches off and just put a ball in play. I know hitting's really hard. I know it. I know it. I know it. it. But the Padres are so dead. I mean, they're so, so dead. From an organizational approach standpoint, it's the same thing from every guy every single night. They're so dead it's not even funny oh but they're only eight games out oh they have a plus 30 run differential yeah because they've had blowout wins right and they could do that with a lineup that they have talented lineup where it's like oh well they they scored two in the third and then four in the second or i mean a uh, two in the third four in the fifth inning now they're up six other team is having a bad day offensively then the Padres in the seventh eighth, at the night they just pad stats and they win 12 to one it's like oh well we could have done that we did that or whatever But the Padres, so many different times this year, have had games. People predicted, have predicted it outright on social media. After a game like that, the Padres win 12 to 1. People that I am following and mutual with on social media that are Padres people, after a 12 to 1 win, put out a tweet after the game saying, Can't wait for the Padres to get one run on two hits tomorrow night. And then the next game happens, and that exact
1: thing happens.
0: The organizational approach at the plate is miserable. The at bats are selfish. Uh, the guys aren't really prepared. Combine that with some injuries. Combine that with underperformance of some star players. Lack of depth on the roster. Here we are in a spot where I am officially declaring the 2023 Padres dead as a doornail. Case closed. Breaks, breaks my heart. It does. It breaks it breaks my heart to declare these guys dead. Now you're looking at a spot where if they don't trade Blake Snell and Josh Hader at the deadline and get a good sizable return. Now we're talking about like these guys are, might be in a deep, big hole for like the next five, six, seven years. But if they're able to retool, they are able to pick up some guys. If they ship off Snell and, and Hader, Now we're looking okay, right? Now we're looking fine. Still got Juan Soto for another year. That guy's a little bit overrated, if you ask me. But, hey, that might cause some issues. So, whatever. He's fine. He's an all-star. He's fine. But the Padres are dead. They are dead in 2023. Um, Again, very similar to the Mets. No depth. I mean, guys go down. Guys get hurt. Starting pitching gets hurt. They call up. Like, I mean, just really
1: just bad players.
0: Bad players. There's no depth in the potteries of system. They've traded everybody away. Uh, and the guys they have called up have just not been very good for them. And that's okay. You don't expect every single prospect to come up and all be all-stars. But it's a numbers game with prospects. So you have to call up four, five, six guys to get one all-star out of it. That's just like how it works but when you call out like one or two guys that are top prospects and then they don't perform, it's just like compounds on itself, injuries, bullpen falls apart. Now you're looking at eight games back. You're looking at six games under 500 and, um, they're dead. They're going to miss the playoffs. It's going to be almost as disappointing as the Mets, but still a really disappointing year, uh, for that organization. And it hurts to say, but, uh, Again, similar to the Mets, very, very similar to the Mets with those non-quantifiable contributional uh, pieces of baseball, right? Things that contribute to a team's success that are hard to quantify. Things like, you know, two-strike approach or um, putting guys away on the pitching side, right? Getting to two strikes and finishing them off things like uh approach with runners in scoring position you could say like oh it's it's you know they're selfish or whatever like yeah and like some of that's probably true but it's just like overall it's the same as the Mets in terms of like there's just nothing there there's just nothing there there's no like getting in the box and like just sticking your nose in there and just like under no circumstances am I going to strike out here with a guy on second and no outs. There's none of that. It's the opposite. It's like, well, I'm going to try to yank this thing out of the yard. If I punch out, I punch out, man. I don't know. I'm getting paid. Like, that's kind of how it feels for the Padres. And then they punch out. They're like, ah, man, yeah, that sucks. Like, there's just, like, nothing there. Like, you go to down to Atlanta, they get a leadoff double. The first thought of my head is like, how quickly is this guy going to score? I mean, he's going to score. Not if this not if not this at bat, he'll score in this inning. There's no way this lead off double is not going to score. And with the Padres, it's like lead off double, uh, strikeout, ground out to second, and then uh, fly ball to center field. the Guy doesn't score, and you're kind of like ah, whatever. You know, whatever it is, what it is. That's a Padres bad luck. It is you know, no, no, no. There's nothing there. The Padres, uh, they're pretty lackadaisical, complacent in a lot of ways. Um, Combine that with poor roster construction. no depth. And this is where you find yourself. Find yourself 44 and 50. You find yourself eight games back after the All-Star break. And in my opinion, dead and out of the playoff race. So Padres, RIP. Two more teams to get to here and then we will wrap it up. Number 14 for me, dead as a doornail out of the 2023 postseason. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Trout's hurt. Rendon's hurt. Otani's not playing hurt, but like as far as pitching goes, he's got this blister, fingernail deal. He won't be as effective. Um, a lot of the other guys have just been not, not as good as... In past years, Taylor Ward ha- Taylor Ward has cooled off substantially. Hunter Renfro is not the same guy that he was on the Red Sox in the past years. Uh, Tyler Anderson as a starter like w- hasn't been good. Um, they've had a couple of bright spots, a couple of guys called up. You know Zach Neto, they put him at short as a prospect, call- calling him up hasn't been amazing. Has been whatever. Um, and then it's like and then it's like Otani's traded. Is he not? It's just and it's also like it's the Angels, you know. Last night, or uh, a series against the against the Houston Astros, this is a perfect example. Two teams in two completely different spots. Maybe roster construction and talent level wise, maybe they're about the same. Difference is the Astros know how to win. Astros have a two strike approach. Astros are above average analytically and in preparation areas. The Angels are are not. Uh, and Otani gets a home run. Angels score eight runs and they lose nine to eight. I mean, that's just, that's the Angels in a nutshell. And uh, at two games under 500, the American League is is so much better than them as a whole. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at, uh, there's six games out of a wild card spot. It doesn't seem, you know, out of the realm of possibility for them to get into the postseason. But look at the teams in the AL wild card spots right now Baltimore, Toronto, and Houston. I mean, they're not going to overtake Houston. They're not. Um, they're not going to overtake the blue Jays and they're definitely not overtaking the Baltimore Orioles and the Rangers win the West. So angels you're dead. You're done. Your season's over. If it was the opposite, if they were 48 and 46, instead of 46 and 48, there were two games over 500. I, w- they wouldn't be dead. Uh, they'd be, they'd be flirting with it, but they're, 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 they're done. I mean, angels are angels are done, 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 done. Um, They're not going to trade Otani, and that's going to make it worse for them. Uh, But yeah, RIP to the Angels in 2023. You guys are dead. Last team I'll talk about here before we wrap it up. And in that same division. May know where I'm going. You may may not know where I'm going. Um, Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners are dead in 2023. Now, it might be early to say that. They're 500. They're only five games out. Ryan, what are you thinking? They're 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 fine. They're right there. I watched from start to finish two of their three games this weekend against the Detroit Tigers. The Mariners are like really boring to watch. Like there is like none of that 2022 magic. Like the fight, like the the like ninth inning comebacks and J-Rod and JP Crawford like there's just like none of that at all I mean Julio is definitely a spark plug for them he's a guy that's like if he goes they go and this year J-Rod hasn't gone so the Mariners haven't gone they're hovering around 500 but again you look at the teams above them in the standings and in the playoff positions in their division specifically the Rangers are way better. They're never going to get caught by the Mariners. Like, the Mariners are never going to catch the Rangers. And then the Astros. And the Mariners are never going to catch the Astros. They are never going to catch the Astros. The Blue Jays are in the wild card spot, and the Orioles are in the wild card spot. The, Angel- the Mariners are not going to catch those teams. Watch those other teams play in the playoff positions. Watch the, the Orioles in the first wildcard spot, the Blue Jays and the Astros all holding wildcard spots, and then watch the Mariners play. I mean, it is a night and day difference. And the Mariners just lost two out of three to uh, the Detroit Tigers at home coming out of the all-star break where they just hosted the all-star game like you would think the energy from those guys coming out of that all-star break is just like dude we are about to roll and they dropped the first two to the tigers you know who would not do that in that situation the astros the blue jays the orioles or in the division leaders the rangers the twins or tampa bay none of those six teams do that and the mariners do i don't hate on the mariners but I, I think they're dead. I think, I think they're dead. I think uh, they didn't get the contributions they were hoping to get from J. Rod. Ty France isn't an all-star anymore. J. P. Crawford's not an all-star anymore. Hey, Oscar Hernandez, a guy that they signed for big bucks, who was pretty good in Toronto, having a bad year. Wrap that all together. They're gonna miss the playoffs. R. I. P. to the Mariners. R.I.P. Sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I like the Mariners. I hope they're good every year. But they're done. They're done. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. So, that will wrap up episode 39 of the We Know Baseball podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We appreciate you guys tuning in. As usual, be sure to check us out on social media. At We Know Ball Sports, Instagram, TikTok. Obviously, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, appreciate it. If you're not, I guess I don't know where else you get it from. At Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter. That's me. Uh, putting out stuff on the daily. Declared five more teams dead as a doornail today. Uh, episode 39. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you guys on the next one, episode 40 of the We Know Baseball Podcast. Peace.